Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience in Allen, Texas or at church1132.com. We're going to talk tonight about culture of power. Everybody say power. Culture of power. I want to talk about this and, and, and I want to talk about what I really believe is a missing element in the church today is uh, we don't have a lot of power. I mean, we have the church, and we have tons of churches. Drive down Greenville. I mean, it's like a church every shape, every size. I mean, whatever you want. There's probably 15 churches right down Greenville. But I think that the missing element in a lot of churches is not the building. It, it, it's the power. And, and, and I've just been wondering. I've been contemplating this. And I look back at some of my notes. And really, the last couple of years, I've, I've just really been thinking through this. Where, where, where is the power? Where is the power in the church of Jesus Christ? One of my life scriptures is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 through 5, and it says this. It says, my message, this is Paul talking, he says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And there's a reason why there's power. It's not for no reason. There's a reason why there's power. It's not so we can say we're powerful. There's a reason why we need God's power. It's so that, I love, that, I love those words, so that, because it means that Scripture is about to show us why. So, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And to me, this is a key to how the church should move forward. Because if we just move it forward with wise speaking or persuasive speaking, then people will lean on leadership and their faith will be in a man, not in God. But when the power of God shows up and does something that we cannot explain, all of a sudden we sit back and we're like, we know Pastor Dustin can't do that. We know Pastor Steve can't do that. We know Pastor Ben can't do that. So it must be God. So you hear a testimony of God changing someone's life, and you begin to think, well, nobody can do that. Nobody talked them into it. God must have changed their life. I look across here right now. I look at Jesse right here in the front row. It's but the grace of God. You can't look at Jesse's life and know his testimony and not know that that is the power of God. But if our preaching or our message or our methods are wise and persuasive and we lack power then people begin to rest or rely on human wisdom. And do you know why I think that a lot of pastors are burning out in ministry today? Is because the demand on them is them and not God's power. I remember Pastor C sat me down one time and he says, I just want you, I want you to remember something. The Psalms say, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. So he says, you got to remember he's building. You know what he was saying? He said, you got to remember where the power's at. That the power is not in me, in programs, and in wisdom and strategy. The power is in the reliance on the Spirit of God. We have a culture of power because we want to do something that's bigger than us. That's like, that's huge for us. I don't want to create a church or build a church that we can create or build. I want to... I want to build something that only God can build. 
when I think of our church and I, I look at the future, I, I, I want to see campuses all over the place. I, I want to see missions organizations. I want to see dream centers. And, and I want to see us be sending missionaries all over the world. I want to see our community rally around what the church is doing. I want to see our church rally around what the community is doing. I want to see influential leaders raised up with standards and morals and convictions. I, I, I want to see uh, ministries being able to be housed in offices that are right here that we send all over the world, counseling centers. I want to I have therapy centers. I want to have prayer rooms. I wanna, when, when I look into the future of the church, I see all of those things that are beyond what we could just do. And what happens is that as you get in the mode of ministry and you get in the mode of church, we confine ourselves to just what we can do. And we remove the most important element of the church of Jesus Christ, and it is that of power. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, it says in verse 1, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. I think we're there, right? I mean, like we're, pretty much, we're pretty much there. Um, lovers of money, yes. I mean, it's like America. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Throw that one in there. It's like, ouch. Ungrateful, unholy. Without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, politics, no, conceited, uh, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then look at this. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. You know, sometimes when I'm talking to other pastors, they, they tell me this, and, and I found this to be true. They're accurate in this. To, to, to be, to, to operate in power costs you something. It costs you something. It costs you your pride because when God begins to move, he gets the glory. I found this out about being powerless. Being powerless is expensive because when there's no power in the house of God, then you got to have all kinds of gimmicks and programs and everything else to try to get people and keep people. But did, I found this out. When people start getting saved, people start getting curious. When lives get, start getting turned around, people start wondering what's happening. When, when, when people start getting healed, people, well, I don't know if God heals anymore. I, I don't know if he doesn't heal anymore. I mean, it's just like, you, you ever wondered this? I'll just get on my soapbox for a second. You ever wondered this, why, like, we have to be the tolerant ones? Right? Like, like, like everybody else can tell us like what we, what's not in the church, what we shouldn't do, and how you shouldn't act, how you shouldn't worship, how you shouldn't operate, how you shouldn't preach, how you shouldn't share your faith, how you shouldn't stand for absolute truth. But like we, we have to like just take it. Say, oh yeah, that's right. We love you. Like, I'm kind of like, I'm tired of that because, like, who says that God doesn't heal? Who says? You, you, you serve a God that doesn't have power? So what kind of God is that? What, what, what kind of God is that? So your God doesn't speak? Well, I just think it's weird how God speaks. Like, I, I don't hear his voice. I don't know if you, it's just a voice in your head. You can call it whatever you want. I think it's weird that God doesn't speak. Like, what kind of close, intimate God would we have that doesn't speak? That couldn't heal? That couldn't save? Where is the power? We've got a form of godliness. We've got good structures, we've got good systems, we've got good buildings, and honestly, they're doing great things. But we deny 
let me just ask you this personally for you. Where's your power? Do you have power? Are you a good moral person? Or do you have power? Well, it's not about the power. Is it, is it not? Is it not about the power of God? Is it, does, does the Bible not say that in my weakness he is made strong? When I'm talking about power, I'm not talking about me being powerful. I'm talking about God being powerful and showing off in the areas and in the place of our weakness. A partial gospel is a powerless gospel. Either we take it all or we don't take it at all. It's, you can't take pieces and parts. And this is what we've done in Christianity is we've taken parts of the Bible that we really like and that feel good, and that fit our own theology. Instead of our theology being formed by the Word of God, we take pieces of the Word of God that fit our own theology. And we have to stop. That's why we're in this series, Eat the Scroll, because the validity and the power of the Word of God is not in what I believe. It is in me believing it and conforming my life around the principles that are found in the truth of the Word of God. Now let me give you another scripture. We're going to start changing gears just a little bit. Acts chapter 10, verse 34 through 38. It says, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. Now listen to this, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus. Okay, so Jesus was anointed by God of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under all. I love that word all. It just, it just like it totally flies in the face of everything that we try to squirm out of in our theology. Well, you know, some people, it's like he can, he, he can heal some people. He can deliver some people. It just, they just healed all who are under the power of the devil because God was with him. So let me ask you this question. If Jesus had to be anointed by God, how much more do you think that we need? To be anointed by God. So if we're we're to have power like Jesus had power, we have to be anointed like Jesus was anointed. Would that make sense to everyone? So, So in order to operate like Jesus, which Christian means little Christ, right? So we're supposed to be little Christ running around this world doing what Jesus did. Jesus said greater things than me, than greater things than I've done that you will also do. He says that we would do greater things than even what he did. So we're supposed to be Jesus running around. But Jesus wasn't powerful in and of himself because he was fully human as well as fully God. So he abandoned his power that he had when he came to earth. So he came as a man. So Jesus had to have a special force or an anointing on him by God, right? And that anointing was the Holy Spirit and power. So now this is where it gets interesting because a lot of us want power, but we don't want to do the Holy Spirit thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, and and I, try, I kind of tricked you because you all were agreeing we need power. And, and then now I said the Holy Spirit, and you're like, ooh. I didn't know you were talking about that kind of power. Oh, that's the power I'm talking about. 
That is the type of power. That's the power that Jesus needed. So that's the power that I need. If it was good enough for Jesus and it was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. That's just how I live my life. I, I, I don't need to try to figure it out on my own. I'm going to learn from other people that went before me that happened to write the inspired word of God. And if it was good enough for them, if Jesus in his sinless life had to be anointed by the Holy Spirit, that means I need if I'm going to have power. That means I need it. I've learned a couple things about power, people in power. We love the power, but not the noise. Right? Like, oh, yeah, power. Mm-hmm, pastor, I, lo- I love that power. Until it gets loud. Just side note, do you know heaven's going to be loud? Just, just, I just want to throw that out there. Did you know the Bible says that the angels are around the throne and they shout? So I don't like it when the people shout. And sh- You're going to hate heaven. I'll be just like, it's going to be really rough for you. It's like, well, they, do they have those special earplugs in heaven? Nope, they don't. Like, that's just us. We love you enough. But, but God's like, oh, you think I'm not worthy of a little volume? Are you kidding me? You came, you came to my house. I mean, that's, so anyways, side, side note. Um, but in order to have power, did you know that, that wherever there's something powerful, there's usually a noise that accompanies it? But, but a lot of times, and, and, and you know, we found this, like, even, even like, if you're using power tools, the, most, the more powerful the tool gets, the more noise that's associated with it. And what we've tried to do is try to make really powerful tools quieter. Have you noticed that? We're trying to create less of a noise so it doesn't hurt people's ears. But it, it's difficult to mute power. And the same is true in your life. When you begin to operate in power, there is a noise that comes from you. And it might be from your mouth, it might be from your life, but there is a noise that comes. And we found that we love the power, but we don't, we don't like that noise. I found this, we love the power, but not the mess. See, th- th- this is why a lot of churches don't, don't want to worry about the power, and don't want to worry about the Holy Spirit, because it is messy. Because I've found this out about people in the Holy Spirit. When people, us, let me just rewind and say it this way. Weird people like to blame their weirdness on the Holy Spirit. And if you were weird before the Holy Spirit, you're still weird after the Holy Spirit. It's, I, 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 was at a, um, I was at an Allen Eagle football game, and uh, I had a guy behind me that um, thought that instead of cheering for the Allen Eagles, he would have a cowbell. And instead of like being considered like ringing it here, or like here, or here, he liked to ring it here, which happened to be right where my head was. You know what? It was offensive to me. I'm like, I'm cheering too, but that, like, that hurts. It, it, it really hurts my ear. It, 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 it's, it's noisy. Did you, did you know that he is that type of fan, and I'm my kind of fan, and it's two different types of fans, but we are both cheering for the same team? So what happens in the church is because one person cheers different than you do, you think that we should, like, throw out the team. I'm never going to another Allen Eagles game again. That, that crazy guy with the cowboy, cowbell, I mean, man, Allen Eagles are crazy. Not the Allen Eagles. They're just doing their thing. It was the crazy fan. So now I hate cowbells, and I hate the Allen Eagles because of a weirdo with no consideration. If you're here right now, I love you. Um, I hate your cowbell, though. Uh, 
Does this make sense? This is what we do is we throw out the Holy Spirit because some weirdos did some things that freaked us out. I've seen some stuff, all right? I, like, I grew up Assembly of God, and, and so I, like, I, I, saw, I saw some stuff. I mean, some of the stuff I wouldn't even tell you because you're like, okay, we, we, that's, if, if you, you even know about that, then like, we don't want to listen to you anymore. I, I, had, I had an anointed man of God. Uh, I'll just tell you this one. Um, I just said I wasn't going to. I was like, I, I got to give him this. I had an anointed man of God, and I think I, I might have already told you guys this um, at, at Deeper, but I got, I got anointed by oil. Did I tell you this? Yeah. You guys remember this? I got anointed by oil, and, and, he, and it, not, like, not, like, not, not like the kind, not like the nice kind. Like the glug, 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 glug. And I'm like, what is happening right now? I should have been like, I guess, more reverent and, and like honoring the moment. I was like, I just bought this today. That's what I thought. And it was ruined. It was, it was over. But I can take that experience. You know, I was getting prayed for one time. I needed healing in, in a certain area of my body. And, and I was getting prayed for. And uh, there was a guy praying for me. And, and this, I'm just being totally honest with you. He, he's, he has his hand on my chest. I never met the guy in my life. And he has his hand on my chest. And then he puts his hand on my stomach. And, and, and so now he's got his hand on my chest and on my stomach. Two hands. And I'm just kind of like. You know, this is odd. And I believe in the laying on of hands, but then the next part was a little wild because he kind of braced himself, and then he started, like, pushing me. So I'm doing this. <laughs> and I'm like, this is not enjoyable. I don't, I don't like this. But you know what? I still believe in the power of the laying on of hands. That guy's just weird. That's it. I'm not going to abandon my power. Because that guy tried to push me over. I'm not letting go. Of my Jesus needed power, which means I need power. So I'm not going to let it go because the wacko did something different. I'm holding on to the power. I need the power. I've been to a lot of sporting arenas and a, sport, a lot of sporting stadiums and a lot of different sports. And you, you see every type of fan. Every type of fan. You know, some of, the, some of the craziest fans sit there and never say a word. And they just stare at the game. And I'm like, if you love the team, how can you do that? But they're very passionate about the game. And you should never question their passion. It's very intense. Then there's people like me that sometimes, like, if the moment gets right, you lose your mind. And you're hugging people you never met, and you're swinging around. And, and, and it's like, you just, you know, whatever. I was at a Seahawks game, and, and um, uh, oh, man, I'm sorry I brought that up. I just remembered who we were playing that game. Um, that was a real, it was a real bad scenario. It was a playoff game, and I was in the end zone, and somebody fumbled, and it just was, it was a crazy, it's a crazy scenario. I should not even go there. But I was there, and when it happened, I lost my mind, and, and, and I got picked up by this big, huge man, and he's spinning me around, and his beer spilled out on my shoulder, and all the way down my shirt, and I was just spinning going, I love you too. I mean, the power of a moment. I mean, you just like, you lose yourself in the moment. All kinds of different fans. And you know what? There's been offensive fans at games, just like I talk about the Cowboys, but, but it hasn't taken my love for the game. It's made me more cautious who I'm around. And so in, in the church, the, the, the Holy Spirit, because we've had some sort of weak leadership in the church where we haven't had order, or we haven't had authority, we've had crazy people under the guise of the Holy Spirit now wound a lot of people or hurt us, and now we've thrown out 
the most valuable gift that God gave us because we don't understand it or because it freaked us out. And we need the power. We love the power, but not the noise. We love the power, but not the mess. We love the power, but not the price. See, there is a price that comes along with operating in power. And one of the greatest prices that you have to pay is the humility that it's not my own wisdom or smarts or preaching ability that grows the church. It's, it's the power of God. And so to, to be powerful means that we've got to be humble because now it's not us. Paul was one of the smartest people of his day. And he said, it's not with wise and persuasive. He had wise and persuasive words. But he said, I can't rely on that. i got to rely on God's power so that men might not rest on human wisdom but on the power of God. I'm going to run through about like 47 scriptures really fast right now with that as, as a premise. All right, are you ready? They'll be on the screen so you can see them. But I want you to see this in Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. It says this, and afterward... I will pour out my spirit. This is a prophecy of what would happen. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Praise the Lord, man. We love that. That's awesome. That was the prophecy. And then in John chapter 1, verse 32 and 34, it says, Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, Jesus. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen, I testify that this is God's chosen one. So the, the Holy Spirit came and remained on Jesus, and that was the promise that Jesus would then baptize others in the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 16. And I will ask the Father, this is Jesus, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, a helper, to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you, and then look at this, and will be in you. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon, but then the promise Joel says there is a time coming when the Holy Spirit will be poured out on all flesh, on your sons and your daughters. And then in John, he says the one who the, the Holy Spirit comes and remains. This is the one that will baptize us. And then in John 14, Jesus says, I can't stay here. I'm going to go away. But me leaving releases the Holy Spirit to come. And he's not going to come on you like he has in the past. He's going to be in you. This is called a promise. Acts chapter 1. Verse 4, it says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave this, the, him this command. Jesus, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father, it's the promise, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the promise is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or date the Father has set for his own authority, but you will receive power. We love that. But when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Fast forward to Acts chapter 2. 
verse 37 and 39, it says, For the promise, what's the promise? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is to you. That's good news. It's to, it's to us. Wait for this. And to your children. Good for the families back in the day. And all. There's that word again. And all. All. Who are afar off. That's, that's all. That's pretty much everybody. But then he says, just in case you're going to confuse this and wonder about this, I'm going to give you one more. Or as many as the Lord our God would call. Let me just tell you how broad that is. Anybody that is saved is who the Lord has called. So the Holy Spirit is for you. It's for your children. It's for all who are far off. And so if it's for all who are far off and all who are close, guess who it's for? Very good. All. It is for everyone. And you know, there's whole churches and beliefs that stand behind the Holy Spirit and the works of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, died when the apostles died. But then why, in the book of Acts, written by Luke, Dr. Luke, who's one of the most specific, detail-oriented writers in the Bible, why did he say that this scripture right here, the promise, was for you, you and your kids, you and who all for all for who are far off, and anybody that the Lord our God would call. It's almost as if Luke knew that there would be controversy about the power, most powerful gift that the Lord has given the church and the Christian. And so they said, we got to put this in here to make sure that people, and even with that, how far we've come from just listening and abiding in and believing what the Bible says. Some of us have not even just read, not even read these things or not even applied these things. It says all of let me Let me just take it a little further. You, you all right? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is in every single gospel. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Mark 1.8, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Luke 3.16, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Luke, or John 1.33 says, and I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Every single gospel talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is not Old Testament, people. New Testament. Every single gospel account talks about Jesus being the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, this is very popular, you know this, but Acts chapter 2 verse 1 through 4 says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound. A sound, power's noisy. A sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let me see if I read that all right. And they were all, they were all, there's that word again. Well, it's just for some, it's just for the Jew, it's just for... They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they, well, not everybody can speak in tongues. 
honestly, like I'm starting to get frustrated with myself with this. They were all filled. Every single one of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, you can be filled, but then they're speaking. And they spoke in other tongues. Am I reading that right? When, when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, the disciples had power to do signs and wonders. There were boldness to be a witness, and they spoke in other tongues. These were the three signs of what happened when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They had boldness. They had power. And they spoke in other tongues. You know what we want? I'll take the power. Or I'll take the boldness. It didn't say that they had a Holy Spirit vending machine that popped out of heaven, and then they all chose, I'll take a tongue of fire. I want the boldness. And then all the weird ones, we want the tongues. You know? It just says they were all together in one place, and they all, and they all, and they all. In the rest of the book of Acts, I love this, is it talks different times about people being filled with the Holy Spirit. When it talks about it, there's five different accounts of people being filled with the Holy Spirit. In three of the five, it talks that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues. Okay? Two, and this is where people love, this is where the haters love it, is two of the times it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Period. But it doesn't say spoken tongues. So then this is where it's like, oh, it didn't say it. Let me, let, me just, let me just ask you this. When, when you go to In-N-Out and you get a double-double, okay? Double-double. For some of you, triple-triple. I see you. Um, <laughs> you, you, you. You get that. After you've eaten it a couple times, you've ordered it a couple times, you, you, when, you, when you order it, you don't say, um, I'll take the double-double with, with the bun on top and on bottom, with the two patties in the middle, with the, with the spread and, and the ketchup, because once you say double-double, we know what you want. It's already been described on the menu of what it is. So whenever you order it, you order the whole. If I, just, if, if I don't specify, does not mean that they, like, leave out the patties. I want the double-double, but I hope they don't give me the patties. I said double-double. So, so just hear me on this. When it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they got the double-double. Because the menu already described is called the law of first mention. When something is first mentioned, it sets an irreparable, unbreakable pattern in the word of God and in the mind of God's, in, my, in God's own mind. So when it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they had power to be a witness and boldness and they spoke in other tongues, that was the first mention. So now when it's talking about the Holy Spirit, it is assumed that they got the double-double. And I'll just, I'll just take it a step further because I don't know if people believe me right now. Acts, Acts chapter 10, verse 44. This is one of those accounts. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. It says, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all. Oh, my gosh. That word is just bugging me tonight. All who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who'd come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Oh, so now it's Jew and Okay, so now that, that defeats some arguments. For they, how did they know they were filled with the Holy Spirit? For they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? How did they know? How did they know? They heard them. They heard. I would like to explain it a different way. I really would, because people get weirded out. Honestly, I think speaking in tongues is weird. I'm being told, I, I mean, isn't it? 
It's like a heavenly language? That's weird. I like to understand things. I, I, like, to, I like to figure it out. I like it to have a, a, a certain pattern which it always works. This doesn't always work in the same pattern. It's almost like it's God. Because I, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't understand it all the time. I, I can't wrap my, 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 my little brain around it completely. And if I can't understand it, then it's not right. It's not real. Is, is that really? Is that the measurement of what is truth or what is real? Is if we can comprehend it? My Bible says that his thoughts are not my thoughts and his ways are not my ways. My way would not be speaking in tongues. That's just, that's just weird. But the Bible says all who are filled with the Holy Spirit spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then in Acts chapter 10, they said, how do we know these guys are filled with the Holy Spirit? Oh, oh, whoa. You hear that? Yeah, I hear that. They must be, they must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 19, verse 6 says, and when Paul laid his hands on them, see, someone's like, well, why, do, why are they touching me when they're praying for me? Well, because Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. So why do we lay hands on people? Is because that's what the apostles did when they prayed people. They said they believed in the impartation that came from the laying on of hands. Now, because of weirdos, people like do weird things. It's like, and let me just say this because it's deeper and whatever. When you're laying hands on people, don't be weird. Like, just put a hand on their shoulder or something, like, like, a, like a bro. Like, don't touch people weirdly. It's like, oh, I, I love all the women in the house, but some of y'all, like, when you're praying for each other, it's like, it's, it's weird. It's just like, you know, like, it's like, just stop. He, he can move. It, we're looking for a point of contact. I, I'm sorry. That's, sometimes on Wednesday night, I go back to my youth ministry days. I just feel like it's all like I can just say whatever I want. But um, let's just let, let's, have, let's have some preference for our brother because I, I feel like sometimes the Holy Spirit's doing the best that he can with what he has to work with. Because we've so represented him in a way that has made people feel uncomfortable. There hasn't been order. There's been no explanation. There's no biblical backing. We say things that we sense and that we feel that don't line up with what's written. That's what, that's what happens with really Holy Spirit people. They start saying, well, well, I feel like God. If what you feel does not line up with what is written, what you feel is not the Holy Ghost. What you feel has to line up perfectly with what is already written. See, that's how we've gotten weird. It's just like, well, I sense that that scripture doesn't apply to me. What you're sensing is the devil. You're hearing voices. It's just the wrong voice. It, it's, the word of God trumps every feeling. It trumps every emotion. It trumps every desire. It trumps every sensation. It's the word of God. Eat the scroll. Learn what it says. And my Bible says all. Oh. Well, my experience was I prayed and nothing happened. I don't care. I, okay, keep on praying. It's, he says it's available. He, he, he says it's there, so keep on asking. Uh, that reminds me of a scripture. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and you'll receive. But, but, but the Greek tense is actually ask 
and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Ask until you see an answer. Ask until he answers. Ask until he shows up. Well, one time, Pastor, I was, I was at one of those weird churches, and I asked for the Holy Spirit, and nothing happened. I didn't feel nothing. People like, touched my stomach, and, and they hugged me, and it was weird, and they had the oil, and people saying crazy stuff, and I didn't feel anything. Well, so you're just going to give up on the power that is available with the Holy Spirit just because some weirdos did it some weird way? We're going to abandon? Let me, let me tell you this. The Bible says that the, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Which means this. Is that the Holy Spirit's not going to come on you and make you do something you don't want to do. The Holy Spirit works when we yield to him. Well, I saw some people speaking in tongues. They said they couldn't control it. Did you know that that is incorrect? And it's not biblical? If someone ever, in, I've, and I've had to deal with people in the church... Let's do this. Well, when the Holy Spirit comes on me, I can't stop speaking in tongues. That is anti-biblical. Paul says that people can start and people can stop. It is subject to, it means that they are not submitted. And that's why the Holy Spirit's gotten crazy. Or what our appearance is, is because people aren't submitted and, and they take the, the, the opportunity to flow in the Holy Spirit to be their own person and their own thing. But the only way the church works is under correct submission. That's why Paul gave all the instruction. And you know what Paul said? Paul even took it. Let me just, can I just show you this? Let me just show you this real quick. First Corinthians chapter 14, this is where everyone goes to actually get out of tongues. And it's like the chapter that Paul talks about tongues the most, which is really odd to me. The things that like, oh yeah, let's build, let's build our, if you're going to build a fort, there's a lot of other scriptures that you should like take a stand on. It's like sometimes I feel like I should build the other side's stance for them. Because I'm like, I got another scripture you could use. It'd be way better than this because this one's not helping you. Because they didn't read the whole context. Because at the end of the chapter, Paul says, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Like, how do you get around that? It's like, well, you know, he was just meaning like sometimes. Do not forbid speaking. In... Anyway, uh, I got like a spirit of sarcasm tonight. I just need to like... Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14, it says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, because it's a heavenly language, but my mind is unfruitful, because I'm not speaking in a known language. What, I, what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I also pray with my mind as well. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind as well. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit in tongues, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? You, for you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. So it tells me a couple things right now. Praying in tongues builds me up, doesn't build you up. So I should, in church, I should speak in English so that I can build others up. Anyway, I thank God that I speak in tongues. So this is like, this is where people build their, like, their stance. And then Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Do you know how arrogant that sounds? Like, what if I open tonight, like, good morning, or good afternoon, good evening? It's, wow, it's going to be Thursday before you know. Uh, welcome to Deeper. I speak in tongues more than all of you. Uh, y'all be like, this guy is arrogant. That's what Paul says. He says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all y'all. <laughs> Nevertheless, in church, in church, in church, 
I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So people say, oh, you're quenching the spirit when you tell people not to pray in tongues over the mic or pray in tongues. In tr- Am I quenching the spirit? Or are we following the biblical instruction that Paul laid out in how we organize and run the church of Jesus Christ. Let's just skip down to verse 26. It says, what then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, revelation, a tongue, or interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Here is, this is the key. Everything must be done so the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two, or at the most three, should speak. This is talking about the gift of tongues and interpretation. One at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church. And this is where else? Let's plant our flag right there. It says you should keep quiet in the church. And it's like, are we going to read the rest of the scripture? It says, and speak to himself and to God. I want to ask you this question. If you speak, is it out loud? Okay. Just usually. Otherwise, we would say you thought. But if you speak, it denotes that you spoke. I know, it's really, I'm really blowing your minds tonight. Uh, (laughs) uh, Speak to himself. What is the context of this chapter? Tongues. So in the church, if there's no one to interpret, if it's not a tongue and interpretation, I should not speak to others in tongues. I should... Speak to myself and to God because speaking in tongues builds me up. It doesn't build you up because you don't know what I'm saying. So it builds me up. So this is why we encourage our church that, and this is deeper, this is our culture. This is why we encourage our church. We, we want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit and we want you to be able to speak in tongues. We, we love that. But when we come together on Sunday morning, we have lost people that come in here. We don't want you shouting out in tongues. Oh, pastor, quench the spirit or listen to Paul. I mean, the only instruction I have on how to run the church is what Paul gave us on how to run the, the, the church. Well, in 2017, it's a little, you can take 2017 and do whatever you want with it. I'm, I'm going to take 2017, and I'm going to do my best to, to overlay the Word of God on that model, and I'm going to do my best to make the model match up. And so this is why we encourage our prayer counselors, don't just go over and pray in tongues over somebody. You don't know if they're lost, and you don't know if they'll understand, so why don't you just speak in English? Pastor, I love, and I, I, feel, like, I feel like saying what Paul says. I feel like saying I pray in tongues more than y'all, because I love to pray in tongues. If you know me at all, you know I love to pray in tongues. I, I, had, a, I had a mentor that told me, uh, he said, Dustin, if you really want to sharpen your spiritual senses, you really want to hear the voice of God, you should pray in tongues, pray in the spirit an hour a day. And I said, challenge accepted. He goes, what? I said, I'm going to do it. For about seven years, I don't know if I missed, I don't know, maybe, maybe 10 days of every morning getting up and praying in the spirit for an hour a day. You know what I found? is I'll get about 15 minutes in and things would be start coming to my mind. Like pray for so-and-so, pray for so-and-so, pray for so-and-so. This happened, this happened a couple years ago. I was, I was praying in my office and I was praying in tongues. 
I'm praying in the Holy Spirit. And, and a guy in our church came to my mind, just popped to my mind. Hadn't talked to him in months, popped to my mind. I text him right then. I said, hey, brother, I just was in prayer. I was thinking about you. I just want to reach out and let you know that I'm praying for you right now. He texts back, dot, dot, dot. I'm like, okay. He goes, oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. I cannot believe you just texted me. And I'm like, what's going on? He goes, I have been trying to conquer some addictions in my life to pornography. And I'm literally in the room on my phone watching porn right now. And your text message came across, hey, brother, I'm praying for you. I didn't know that. But the Holy Spirit knew that. That's the power. That's the power that we got to have in our gathering. See, Christianity starts to get fun when we have power. You, you know why young people aren't in, interested in Christianity? Because we have a form of godliness, but we deny its power. You know what? You could save millions of dollars on your budget by not having to entertain them and just pray in your prayer closet a couple hours a day and start showing them some power. And they'll start coming in droves because when, 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 when old druggie gets saved and so-and-so gets rocked and the bully gets turned around, all of a sudden they start, I'm going to go see what's happening because the power of God is what we need to reach a city. The power of God is what we need to save this nation. The power of God is what you need to make it through this Christian life. You can be moral. You can be upstanding. You can be righteous. But to really be what God has called you to be, you need to operate in the power that he has made available to you by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let me just give you one more and we'll close. Band, you can come on up. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse, verse 20. Uh, let's go verse 37. Let's just stay in this chapter for a second because this is, this is where the haters like to, like to be. <laughs> hate is going to hate. If anyone thinks that he's a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I'm writing to you are a command of the... Paul is just... <laughs> he's a little arrogant. I mean, he's like, if you think that you're spiritual at all, you think you're a prophet, you think you hear God... Well, you better acknowledge that this is a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, watch this insult. He's not recognized. That's like saying, like, you're a jerk, and, and they're like, yeah, but you're a jerk. I mean, it's like, he goes, if you don't recognize this, I'm not going to recognize you. Paul, drop mic, walk off. He says, he says, so my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid Speaking in tongues. But all things should be done decently and in order. And the way those things are done decently in order is up to the leadership of whatever church is leading. You know, we have churches in our city that don't believe in speaking in tongues. That does not make them bad or evil. That does not make them wrong. They are doing what they believe is right in their interpretation of the scriptures, and they're leading the best they can in decency and in order. Now, I don't totally agree, but I respect their position and their place in the body. Did you know that there's a lot of people in this city that would not know Jesus if we didn't have other churches in this area that had different persuasions and different, di different expressions? We're not the only expression. This is not like the only good church. We've got great churches in the Metroplex that preach Jesus, the gospel, and people are getting saved. You know that some people that got saved in other churches would walk into our church and be freaked out because y'all are crazy. 
And they would leave, and they would never say yes to Jesus. But because we have other expressions of the body, they went in there, and they felt comfortable, and they accepted Jesus. And then Jesus starts working on them, and they want to go a little deeper. And they're like, we're going to go to deeper. And, uh, because every body, every church has its place. So when we teach something like this, this is not so that we can knock somebody else. Well, we have the Holy Spirit. That doesn't make us more spiritual than anybody. This is our interpretation of what the Scripture is saying. We're going to do our best to accept it and live it, but without looking down or looking in judgment on anyone else because the gospel is the good news of Jesus. And if people are preaching Jesus, I'm just going to tell you, we need more. We need more churches. We need more people preaching Jesus. Well, they don't believe in speaking in tongues. Do they believe in Jesus? Because this is what my Bible says. It doesn't say if you speak in tongues, then he will draw all men unto him. I'm, I'm like some, some of you got that religious spirit just like just hating me right now. And I love you anyways. He says, if he is lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. If, if who is lifted up? Well, the Holy Ghost. If you don't got the Holy Ghost, brother, you don't got nothing. No, if Jesus is lifted up. The Holy Spirit was just what Jesus sent us when he left. That's why we don't got to look down on anybody else or any other persuasion or any other belief. We just got to try to stir our own hunger to seek after everything that God has for us. So let me just, let me, let me say it this way. Let me ask you this question. Do you want everything that God has for you? That's the question you got to ask. If, if it's God, do you want it? That's the question you just got to ask yourself. I want everything that there is. And some of you might say, well, you know, honestly, I'm just like, I'm kind of satisfied with where I am. And there's no judgment there. This, this walk with Jesus is a journey. I'm doing stuff now that maybe I never even thought I would do in the past. Some of y'all are worshiping like you. There's a guy that comes to our church. I, I love him. And uh, he's just an amazing story. First time he came to church, um, you know, he saw y'all. And then he heard me. And, and he's like, this place is way too much for me. And so he told me, he says, well, I can't find a church that I like better, but I don't really like love this. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And he says, just so you know, I'm never going to be one of those guys that lift my hands. I said, okay. I said, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, we, I'm just trying to obey the Bible. So you, you just do whatever you want to do. And um, like months went by, maybe years. And one Sunday I look over. And, and he's doing this. Just like, he thought I wouldn't see. And I'm like, oh, oh, you said you'd never. See, see this, thing, this thing is a journey with God. It's, it, it, it's, it's a, you ever went to a foreign country for the first time? You go to a foreign country for the first time and you're like, Oh my, like we send a lot of mission trips to Haiti this year. When you get out of the plane in Haiti at the airport, it's, it's chaos. And they got people just grabbing your bags like, we'll carry that for you, sir. And I'm like, all right, great. And then they're like, $47, ha-ha. You know, it's like, hey, come on, man. That's not right. So it was intimidating first time we went there. But after we went there a couple times, we're like, oh, hey, don't worry. Just, just tell them no. Go to the van and whatever. And now we got it all down. It, it doesn't even phase us anymore. It freaked me out the first time. But it doesn't freak me out because now I understand and now I know. See, some things that kind of like, oh, that's a lot for me. Somebody talked during the message. Somebody's lifting their hands. Someone's up dancing. Sometimes we got those crazy people that come up and, you know, they just have weird expressions, you know. It's like, 
I love them, but it's like, whoa, you know, that, that's a lot. You see, some people think, like, we don't see those things. We see them. But I don't know what they've been saved from. I don't know what they've been delivered from. So I don't want to say, like, hey, you don't dance like I dance. So I'd rather you not dance. This is not about uniformity. This is about freedom. This is about running after Jesus. Now, now we do have, now when things get crazy, crazy, and we've had this, we've had conversations and people hate us for it. It's like you're quenching the spirit and all that kind of stuff. But what we're doing is we're trying to preserve the unbeliever that, that walks in. And, and, and sometimes, and you might even think that we should do it more because there's still some stuff that's like, but, you know, it's just this tension that we live in in allowing people to express themselves and, and flow while at the same time protecting the body, not trying to quench, but trying to protect it. It's, it's this, believe me, it's hard. It, it, it's this, this tension. But some things that shock you when you're just around it, it doesn't become shocking anymore. So this man, he, he had his hands like this, and I was like, I wanted to say something to him so bad. But I just waited. About three weeks later, he did this. Just, just, just about 12 inches. Just about 12 inches. Just, just up. Just, just whatever. We had an encounter night after our fast. And I look over, and there he is, and he's doing this. And I just, I said, hey, bro, I just got it. I'm sorry. I got to ask now. Like, like what, what's, what's going on? And he said, I realized that I had so much preconceived ideas about what worship was. And I was so, said so much pride about what I looked like that I couldn't respond. He said, but when I took the first step, it seemed like the second step was easier. And the third step was easier. That, that, that's our journey. Listen, it doesn't matter where you're at tonight. It really doesn't. There's, I'm not trying to put any type of judgment. I know I'm sarcastic uh, about these scriptures and stuff, but I understand there's a lot of different beliefs and there's a lot of different things. I'm not trying to push something on you. I'm just trying to stretch our minds to really see because sometimes our perspective hinders us from really receiving everything that God has for us. And so if something is shocking to you right now, that's okay. Just I would encourage you to study it for yourself. To just get in your Bible, eat the scroll by yourself. And let me give you the last scripture, and then we're done. Luke chapter 11, verse 11, 13, it says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give and a lot of times we use this about like, oh, God, God the Father loves you. He's going to give gifts to you because that's what good fathers do. He's not talking about giving you gifts. He's talking about a gift. Will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He says he's a good father who gives good gifts to his children. And that good gift is the promise of the Holy Spirit so that you can live your life in power. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.